Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Hello, it's Hal Anderson, and welcome to the podcast. A couple of great ladies coming up today. We've got Allison Shane. She has written a blog post about Portage and Maine. She will talk about that post on the podcast today. Allison Shane and Carolyn Klassen from Conexus Counseling. We're going to talk about ways you can betray your partner without having an affair. Please subscribe to the podcast. Please rate the podcast. And now, enjoy the podcast. So here we go. We're talking again about Portage and Maine. Allison Shane is in studio. You can check out her post at allisonshane.com. A different spelling on the first name, A-L-Y-S-O-N, allisonshane.com. And the title of her blog post is, The Portage and Maine Debate is an Embarrassment to Winnipeg. Well, Allison, you certainly uh, are not afraid to share your opinion. No. <laughs> yes. And, and I, what I like about your blog post is you kind of go through the arguments that people are making about wanting to keep Portage and Maine closed to pedestrians, and then you say, well, actually, and then you've got stats and the facts, mm-hmm. which is a great way to do it, right? Well, and that was kind of my my reason for writing the post in the first place was that, I mean, like... Anybody who lives in the city is probably so tired of this debate by now. Yes, I am as well. Everyone's tired about talking about Portage and Maine. And when I heard the news that there was going to be a referendum, and it's just, it's it's such a nightmare. And of course, the posts start where everyone's like, people are going to die. It's so unsafe, this and that and the other thing. And I thought, you know, I have a lot of conversations on social media with people about this topic. I am very engaged on social media specifically because I believe in having discussions and dialogues about these topics that matter. But... I couldn't find a single place where I could use all of the facts at once. Like I needed a a place to reference all of the arguments I was hearing so I didn't have to sort of take it on a one-by-one basis. And so now if somebody brings up something on Portage and Maine, I'm just going to fire them back to my blog post. If you read this first, then we'll talk. <laughs> well, and and yeah, because you said I, I didn't really want to go to Portage and Maine on on my uh, blog, but I am because it, you know, it involves some space. You were mm-hmm. just telling me, by the way, I should mention that Allison Shane has this blog and her website, AllisonShane.com, <laughs> but you also have a Starling Social, and that's mm-hmm. why you've been on the show in the past talking social media with me. Yep. You were saying that your tweet on this has 12,000 hits already? Yeah, it's been, uh, it's had over 12,000 impressions, which is a little intimidating. Um, it's one of the most popular things I've ever said, which really, to me, showcases the importance of this issue and how, like, as I was saying to you before we got on the air, I'm I'm actually kind of surprised, given that a lot of the discussion I've been having is, has been with people who have been against it to date. Um, I'm actually shocked at the overwhelming amount of positive support that this post in particular has had. It seems to have really struck a nerve with a lot of people who support opening the intersection, but maybe don't have the facts to support why, or maybe they don't have the language to articulate, you know, why they think this is a good idea, but they just know that they're in support of it. But either way, it's been overwhelmingly positive so far. Yeah, Janice Lukes was on the show yesterday. We had her on as part of our council candidate uh, roundtable, the first that we're going to do. And she is one of the people, along with Councillor Brawati, Jeff Brawati, who brought forward this motion that mm-hmm. Mayor Bowman is now supporting to right. have essentially a plebiscite, a vote, a referendum mm-hmm. in October, add the question on the ballot about uh, Portage and uh, and Maine. And she said what I, and I think you would agree with this, she said, 
we need to take this time now between now and October to get educated. Mm-hmm. We got to figure this out. We got to don't just go and vote saying, oh, people will die at the corner. Do your due diligence, figure it out, mm-hmm. answer the questions you have, and then make an informed vote. Absolutely. And I think that one of the issues that we run into with something like Portage and Maine is it's such a polarizing issue. And Winnipeg and what's happening with our downtown has become such an emotional trigger for so many people. And I kind of alluded to this in my post. Like, I think one of the big challenges that Winnipeg has is that we sort of have this like donut of of what used to be municipalities around the city center where people are living. And if you're just driving in and driving out, you have no emotional connection to this, the downtown, to the city that you're technically a part of. And I'm hoping that, you know, I'm, I'm, I definitely don't mince words in what I say. Um, that's just who I am as a person. Yeah. And I'm hoping that as people see this article, even if they don't necessarily agree with opening it, opening up Portage in Maine before they read it, maybe this will give them some food for thought. And that's kind of why I, at the end of each of the, you know, sort of rebuttals to the arguments, I said, if you think this, this means you think this. Like, if you think that repairing roads is more important than opening up the intersection and investing in the in the the betterment of our downtown core, which is going to expand outward and make our city healthier over time, then what you're saying is that you think that your ability to drive your car on a road trumps the city you live in. It's more important for you to drive on a road than for your city to become a healthier place to live. And that's harsh, but it's true. And if you think that way, then that's your prerogative to do so. But I don't think that, based on talking to people, that a lot of people have really put that into that perspective and stepped away from how opening up Portage and Maine makes them feel to think about what their action actually does for the city, you know, as a whole and over time. Mm -hmm. Janice Luke said this yesterday, but Sel Burroughs, who's an activist in the Point Douglas area, said this as well to me. It's about vision. It's about yep. having that vision, right? It's and and it is politics has become very practical of late, right? Where mm-hmm. it's like fix the roads. I want my money spent fixing the roads, and that's something that has to get done for sure. But you know, uh, Selborough's brought up the floodway, Assiniboine mm-hmm. Park, the Forks, mm-hmm. all these things that we have now, and we couldn't imagine life without them. Yep. But it took somebody to have that vision. Yes, and I think that. And I mean, like, I've lived here my whole life. Um, and one, and I alluded to this in my post as well. One of the challenges that I have had with being a longtime Winnipegger is that we get so down on ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we say, well, you know, Winnipeg's not Toronto, so why should we bother? And as I said in my post, if you want Winnipeg to be an amazing city to live in, think about it in a long-term way. Think about the decisions that we make as a city and how that's going to impact us in the long term. There are so many books and studies. I could list off tons of authors for you, Jane Jacobs, Jane Kunstler, people like that who have done studies and research that prove that healthy downtowns make healthy cities. And that's how we're going to grow and flourish and become, you know, this metropolis that I think people want us to be. But we just don't really know how to get there. And we're kind of getting in our own way. Mm -hmm. Boy, you should have been working for the mayor a couple of years ago or, or whatever it was. He came up with this idea because I think that's been part of the problem, right? Well, however, wherever you come down on this issue. Mm-hmm. And I said yesterday, I, I'm not sure. I'm going to get educated. I, I like the idea of more pedestrian traffic. You know, and remind me to ask you about uh, living downtown because right. you made a really good point in your blog about that too. Thank you. But it is about, uh, you know, getting your message out there. And I don't think the mayor's done a very good job of that. I was actually thinking about this on the way over here. Mm-hmm. So um, I, uh, full disclosure, I voted for Brian in the last election. Yeah. Um, I was just tired of having mayors that didn't seem to have any vision. And I felt like 
even though I didn't agree with all of his policy points, I agreed with the fact that he he was the only candidate that I felt had a vision for what our city could be. And I want a candidate who believes in that. I don't know if I'm going to vote for Brian this year. I'm on the fence. I have to see, you know, there's a lot of contributing factors to it. I also don't want to talk about who I'm going to vote for on the air specifically because sure. yeah. I don't know yet. Yeah. But I do agree with you. I think that, sorry, Brian, um, I do think that the mayor and his people have done a poor job of controlling this narrative. It's become like, we're going to decide at this election, this is the only time we're ever going to talk about it. And they need to be looking at long term. And I feel like he did a good job of articulating that during his campaign. He had that like city of a million slogan and all that. And it kind of gave us something to reach for as a city. And I think that that's why a lot of people voted for him that I know anyway. Um, But now that this issue has kind of come up and we're about to move into this other election cycle, I don't feel like the mayor's office has done as good a job as at controlling that narrative and making it less about this specific election and more about what future mayors and future politicians and future citizens for the city should think about or should enjoy or should want for Winnipeg in general. Yeah. Well, as I've said before, I think it really boils down to uh, that anti-Bowman element that's out there. I think it's, uh, you know what, I'm going to vote for somebody else because I think they can do a better job spending my money. I think maybe the mayor should have presented it more as an investment in the future. Yes, yes it's going to cost us X number of millions now to do this, mm-hmm. but in 5, in 10, 15, 20 years, here's how the investment is going to pay off. Well, and I spoke to that a bit in my post. Like, there are a couple of statistics, I don't have it in front of me right now, but that have to do with how um, walkability scores increase property value, how neighborhoods become safer, which attract more people, which attract commerce. There are so many... Yeah, we keep saying we want a safer downtown, right? Well, let's, right. let's get people walking around. Actually, somebody on Twitter, I didn't even mention this in my post, a lady on Twitter made an amazing point about safety for women and how there's a specific staircase um, outside of the front of, uh, is it 201 Portage? Uh, there's that like kind of sketchy staircase right in the front there. Yep. Um, to, to, into the underground? Into the underground, yeah. yeah. And it always like smells like pee and it's gross right. and people actually avoid it. And I was assaulted there when I was 18. Wow. I had a guy, he was kind of passed out and I sort of tried to avoid him. And he got up and he grabbed my bag as I was trying to go up the stairs. So... When you take away that visibility at street level, you make people less safe. And women in particular need to be kept safe on our, our city streets for sure. Like not, you know, not just like indigenous murdered missing women and girls, but the people who live in the city in general. Eyes on the street keep each other safe. That's a really important point that I don't think is getting talked about enough as part of this debate. Yeah. And then carry that on because that's sort of part of what I wanted you to say about uh, the point you make in your in your blog about, you know, people say, well, there's nobody downtown, but there are and there are more and more people all the time. As of 2012, there were 17,000 people living in downtown Winnipeg, yeah. which you wouldn't... And that's six or seven years ago. And that's, yeah, and that's exactly it. It's six or seven years ago. And think about all the development that's happened since then. Think of all the condos, the high rises that are going in. We're, we are working on getting more people downtown. And if you can't cross the major intersection in the place that you live, you're not going to go there. And we can see that right now. There isn't a lot of foot traffic in the underground. It's mostly people who go there for work, use the, you know, use the, uh, is this the circus, I think it's called, that little loop-de-loop in the bottom, Okay. and then leave. Mm -hmm. But if you want people to go outside, if you want to, like, I just was telling you off air, I just came back from Toronto. Right. When I go to a city like Toronto, you see people, I mean, yeah, the population difference, we can, you know, get into semantics on that. Mm. But people at the street level make a city vibrant and thriving. And when you funnel people underground, it takes away the safety, it takes away the visibility for other people. And 
we talk like it, to, to pivot away for a second. When we talk about like children's safety, you want kids at a park to be with other kids and, you know, all that kind of stuff. We want or sorry, but there's safety there. But what I mean is that the more people that are there, the more people that will be there. Um, there's an example when we talk about crowds. If something is happening and nobody from the crowd steps out to do anything, the crowd as a whole tends to, to not react. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And if you don't see anybody outside, there's no incentive for you to go outside because you don't feel safe. You're just sitting in this sort of barren concrete wasteland all by yourself. Yeah. And, and I feel like, as I said, I sort of sit on the fence on this one, but uh, on, on the Portage and Maine issue, and I'm mm. kind of, and I am, you know, a few people now are texting going, oh, God, hell, Portage and Maine again. But <laughs> it, it has become a way bigger issue than it deserves. For I completely what, for, agree. For whatever reason. It's such a non-issue. It is such a non-issue. But uh, I do think, you know, it's an iconic intersection. Mm -hmm. Portage and Maine, everybody knows Portage and Maine as the coldest corner in, in the country. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Somebody coming to town... They can't go there. They can't get their picture in front of a sign. They can't get... There, there's nothing. There's it's nothing not even there. just for us. It's for people that come here. Well, and that's exactly the point. Like, there are people who are coming... I, I don't know any immigration statistics on who are coming to the city, but I know no. that there are a lot of people moving to the city, not just from other countries, but from other, you know, parts of Canada. Um, and there are people who live here who don't know how to use it. And we're trying to position ourselves as being this tourist hub. And, you know, we're getting... Uh, mentions in like McLean's and all these you know, international publications go to Winnipeg. Winnipeg has this, has the CMHR, it has the Forks, it has the zoo. It also has an intersection that you can't cross. Like, what? The intersection. The one. Yeah. Like, I, I need to move back from your mic because I'm going to yell at your, your <laughs> listeners because like it just. So when I was when I was like 16, I went downtown for the first time and I remember standing outside of highs and being like, I literally have no idea how to cross the street. And I'd lived in the city my whole life. You know, I was a teenager at the time. And I remember going downtown and being like, I'm, a, I'm an independent young lady. I'm going to, you know, do stuff in the downtown. And I remember feeling so lost and confused and frustrated that I had to, like, I couldn't just cross the intersection. I, I, the, I had to find a staircase that is not very well marked. I have to go down into a, like, smelly, not very well lit, not very safe feeling series of staircases. I myself have to take escalators, navigate a concourse, hope I remember which direction I need to go underneath this, underneath the, the, the street level, and then go up through another weird series of staircases and elevators or hallway systems that, if you're not from here, is completely baffling. Mm. I'm, I've, like I said, I've lived here my whole life, um, with the exception of like one year, but be that as it may. Um, I still get lost. I literally was down there the other week and got turned around because I needed to come out by the BMO building and I never go that way. And I came in on a different side than I usually do. Mm -hmm. And every single person I have spoken to who has who lives in the city has had an experience like that. And that's not acceptable. Why yeah. are we putting our citizens through that? Just so that we can we can feel good about driving our cars to an intersection, take mm -hmm. down the barriers and let people cross. It's not that hard. Yeah. Allison, you know? we're right out of time. A great uh, a great blog post, though, <laughs> and I encourage people to go check it out. AllisonShane.com, A-L-Y-S-O-N, Shane.com. Mm -hmm. uh, the Portage and Maine debate is an embarrassment to Winnipeg. It's a great <laughs> blog post. By the way, what is your uh, Twitter handle? It's uh, the same as my website, at A-L-Y-S-O-N-S-H-A-N-E. Allison Shane, go check out the blog. Thanks a lot. Uh, great conversation. Really good blog uh, post, and uh, I'm sure people will go and read it. Many have, and uh, more will. <laughs>
Our friend Carolyn Klassen is here from Conexus Counseling. And uh, Carolyn, how are you? How was your week? I had a busy week. My house was overflowing with company and parties. Oh, yes, and such. Right. Yes. So uh, how did it go? It all went great. Good. Um, I'm still in recovery. This is your husband's uh, family. That's right. And you didn't know a lot of them. I didn't know a lot of them very well. Got and, to know more and, of them. And they all kind of invaded. Yes. And my new daughter-in-law, her family unexpectedly also invaded. Uh, and so we had more people than I knew <laughs> staying at our house. And then we were planning a large party for all sorts of local friends as well. So it was a great time and lots of fun and a good chance to do a lot of visiting. But I am cooked out. Yeah. yeah. Before we get into our subjects for today, then talk to me a little about that. Because I know that, you know, my mom tells the story about the first time she cooked for my dad's family, right? Mm-hmm. And how stressful those sorts of situations <laughs> can be, eh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Well, it is, except it's a little bit different when I, this is my second marriage and I'm a little bit older now. And so I sort of, I, I, it does, there's not as much riding on it. I want to give them a good time. I want to, for myself, know that I am hosting them well, but I am not on pins and needles that my entire value as a human being is going to be judged <laughs> right. on whether I, you know, yeah. made enough, the, the right salad dressing for the salad well, or something. Well, and that's the way it should be, right. right? I mean, even if you are younger and it's your first time and you're being married and you're feeding people for the first time, I mean, we put too much <laughs> emphasis on that kind of thing, don't we? Right. We forget it's the, the food is really a vehicle. around which you do a lot of visiting and getting to know each other and Mm. have fun, right? Mm. So it's really not the food that's important. But sometimes in the moment, we forget about that and we put too much value on it. And yeah. so I tried really hard to, to be present and to enjoy. Um, I'm an introvert. So as much as I love people, I You're also... You're an introvert? Totally. Really? Oh, yeah. So I love people. And then I love at the end of the evening having some time to myself or just myself and my husband. Um, and I haven't gotten that. So I'm really looking forward to the last of the company leaves on Sunday. And then I, we'll have some peace and quiet that we haven't had for you know a week now. Um, so I am looking forward to, th- I love people and then I love when they leave. Yeah. So you mean to tell me that if I was at a house party, yep. I would be sitting visiting with people and I would go, so who's the quiet uh, <laughs> gal in the corner there not talking to anybody? Are you that much of an introvert? Well, I'm the kind of introvert where when I go to a house party and there's a whole lot of people, I'll if I'm sort of in my happy place, I'll have great conversations with three or four of them in depth mm. rather than socializing and just sort of, you know, shaking hands with 30 people. That sort of schmoozing, that's... That I, that I find that exhausting. I can do it if I have to, right. but I really just love getting to know one person off in the corner for a half hour, 45 minutes, and then getting to talk to somebody else and really hearing about their life. I love that stuff. Hmm. Uh, and it's just, it's different. Extroverts and introverts, one's not better or wrong. No, it's of just course not. No. Different styles in terms of yeah. what fills our tank and what how we have a good time. Yeah. I only know you here on Thursdays, and I would never have said, oh yeah, she's an introvert. Well, now you know something you didn't before. There you go. All right. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk a bit about character. We'll get to that in a second. But I sent off an article to you, and you said, oh, this is good. Let's talk about this. Ways you can betray your partner without having an affair. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is really important because often um, one of the most widely read blogs on my blog on connexuscounseling.ca is called The Betrayal of Disengagement. Uh, and often we... when we think of betrayal as when you're unfaithful with somebody else. Right. And there's so many other ways of breaking trust mm-hmm. and feeling like you have betrayed somebody. But often when the, 
it's really obvious when you have been intimate with somebody other than your partner that that's a betrayal, right? Well, you've broken several of those, yeah. Right, like it's it's just really crystal clear. Mm. Some of these other ones, they feel like betrayals, but they're a lot harder to talk about because there's been there hasn't been as obvious a breakage of trust um, with some things so clearly. And yet the trust has been broken and the damage is there, but it's harder to talk about because it's more subtle. And the, the first, I don't know that it made this list, but the disengagement is the one that I often talk about with couples where a person just isn't, you know, they're kind of drifting away and they're not as in tune and they're not as in investing in the relationship. They're just kind of, you know, putting time in rather than mm-hmm. really digging into the relationship. And I've gone to business meetings where people have had that blog on their desk saying, I used this mar- this blog to try to turn my marriage around because finally I had a way to name the lack of trust and the betrayal that I felt and I didn't know how to name it before. Mm-hmm. But it was really real and it was really impacting us. And this blog you know, really started the conversation in a helpful way. Yeah. But when that other person uh, pulls away like that in a mm-hmm. relationship, that's getting close to the end, right? Like, I mean, a lot of damage has been done there when the person starts pulling back and just doesn't seem to care anymore. Right. But it often starts really subtly where instead of it can be just really a person's watching, you know, their normal Grey's, Grey's Anatomy on Thursday nights. And somebody says, like, can I talk to you about something that happened at work today or can we go for a walk? And they're like, no, I'm watching the program. Mm. And that's it's there's nothing wrong with that. Right. But when it happens over time and in a way that the other person feels like you're putting something ahead of me, mm-hmm. which is going to happen to all of us. Right. Yeah. And so that's where it's not overtly wrong. But when it becomes a pattern that and a person is feeling like like they that that they're not in sync and that they're not really connecting closely but there's no evil to it there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with choosing to watch a show instead of connecting with the other person and sometimes you need to because you're just mm-hmm. that tired but as a general practice you need to find a way of I'm here for you. I care about you. You matter to me. What do you need from me? And how can we be close in a way that you're getting from me what you need? How can we give those messages to our partners so that that disengagement doesn't start? Because it's sinister and it's so subtle that sometimes you don't notice it until it's really serious. Mm -hmm. And I love when people start to catch it really early on before it's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, The article called them undermining behaviors. Right. And they stir up feelings of insecurity that... Uh, erode the trust in your relationship. Right. And one of them is even disrespecting or criticizing your partner in front of other people, right? Mm -hmm. When you don't show that you're on the same team and you kind of throw your partner under the bus, that is a form of betrayal, right? You're violating something that should stay between the two of you and, you know, complaining about your spouse to somebody else, laughing about it, um, mocking them. Uh, That's highly betraying, right? That feels terrible. And yet it's not overt like an affair. And so sometimes then the the danger is that there's gaslighting of, oh, it was no big deal. I was just joking. It doesn't really matter. But if the other person was hurt, it actually does matter. And you can't explain it away or laugh it off or imply that it was nothing. Because if it feels like something to the other person, Mm -hmm. something that needs to be talked about. Yeah. You know, as uh, I looked at this and I sort of made a couple of notes and I started thinking, you know, a lot of this, whether it's you you out and out cheated on your partner mm-hmm. or some of the examples you gave, a word that keeps popping up, and you tell me if it's the most important word when describing a good relationship, but the word that kept popping up in my mind was respect. Yes. Because in every one of those cases, it's about disrespecting that relationship and the person you're with. And respect is such an important part of love, isn't right. it? Right. Yeah. Where the person feels like you value them, that you're putting them ahead of other things, that you recognize that they are deserving of respect and mm-hmm. giving it to them. Um, and 
when you disrespect your partner. It can be in really subtle ways. And sometimes it's it's not so much even what it is, but sort of the motivation behind it, right? So one of the things on the list is prioritizing work, a hobby, or another passion above your relationship, that that's a form of betrayal. And when you put work ahead of your partner all the time, it can feel like a form of disrespect. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But then there's times when it's part of respecting your family and your spouse and life to say, I've got to put a few hours in right. at work and that's necessary. And I'm not doing it to disrespect you. I'm doing it because that's life. Yeah. But then that's the conversation you that's need to have. That's the conversation. Right? So right. that respect is maintained. That's yeah. right. Communication. Yeah. That's huge, right? Huge. Yeah. Somebody told me one time that we're all wired for connection. Somebody told you that, did they? Not sure. I think it's, is that the quote, <laughs> wired for connection? I think that was it. Yeah. Yes, I've only said that about 10,000 times, yeah, right? Yes. Yeah. We are wired for connection. And so when something, we always need to make sure that that wire gets maintained and that when something threatens that wire, that we find a way to ensure that that wire maintains strong. And so when work does has to become a priority for a short period of time. You probably had this, Hal, when you were working. I'll, I'll tell you what, it's been, as you, and I didn't want to make it about me. Make it about you. Know, you. But I'll just tell you this, that yes, Jackie and I saw very little of each other and it sucked. But you yeah. know what? We had that conversation. We both understood. We talked about it and she knew and I knew why it was important to do that, right? And we understood. We both got it. We both agreed. And it was definitely discussed. And that's kind of what was going to be my next question is sometimes those conversations, maybe not that case, but sometimes conversations can be hard to have, but, but even harder is dealing with the problem after it starts to spiral when you haven't talked about it. Well, and I, I think that's often what I do in when I work with couples is those conversations are brutally hard to have. Absolutely. But the only thing worse than having those very hard conversations is not having them and Mm. then having the inevitable consequences that happen, right? So when you were working all those hours last fall, Hal, when that connection could have been threatened, Mm -hmm. you and she found ways of talking about it to make sure that that connection stayed strong, even while you were working all those hours and probably, you know, working yourself to the bone and exhausting yourself. She knew that she was still important, that you saw her, that you were checking in with her, and she felt respected Mm -hmm. throughout that process. Now, she was dating another guy at the time, (laughs) but I was okay with that because I was working. I'm kidding. Of course, obviously, I'm kidding. Obviously. But no, you, you do have to have those conversations, and I can't tell you how many, listen, I've been through a failed marriage and and many failed relationships and I'm not perfect, but one of the things that I have learned over the years after all those relationships and the other marriages, man, to me, in my humble opinion, communication is everything. I am always going to tell you when I got a problem and I want you to tell me when you got a problem because we got to talk about it. If one of us has a problem, we both got a problem. So as gender lines can get divided. It's interesting to hear you as a guy say communication is really important and we got to talk about it. I know, because typically that's not a guy. Right. So what's that like to say as a guy to a guy that might be listening? I don't know, but it's true. But I really feel like it's true. And I get it. Most guys, well, listen, I've cried on the ear in front of thousands of people listening. You know, I mean, I'm not your typical guy, I don't think, you know, in many ways. But Um, because I know there are lots of women out there that go, man, I wish my guy would just talk to me about some things that are bugging him or things that are popping up in our relationship. You know, I hear that from my buddies. They're like, man, you're weird. Like you, you got polka dots and you know, they don't, (laughs) they don't, they don't get where I'm coming from, but that's what I've learned. And and having those failed relationships, I've gone, I I don't want to go through this again. And so 
I got if we got problems, we got to talk about it. Okay. Because if we don't, they're going to get worse. Even if those are awkward conversations. Sure, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, it's not easy. Right. And maybe you might take a day or two to think about it and think, <laughs> how am I going to approach this? Okay. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm not saying that means, you know, and I'm far from perfect. And I, I, uh, I've been very lucky, Jackie and I've, now I'm really sharing, but Jackie and I've had no real, we don't really fight. We don't really have any horrible, terrible problems. We haven't encountered any of that. But I think it's maybe because we do communicate and say, hey, and, you know, I, I, I attribute our success so far in our marriage to that. Well, I think often those conversations are kind of like a snowball at the top of the hill. If you have those conversations early, they don't have a chance to pick up steam and roll down the hill and get bigger and bigger. And so I wonder if that's what some of what's going on between you and Jackie is you catch those things really early and you yeah. talk about them and then they don't have a chance to get bigger and gather steam. Carolyn Klassen from Connexus Counseling. How can people get a hold of you if they want to get a hold of you? We would love to talk to people. Um, our website is connexuscounseling.ca, uh, and you can reach us through there, or you could give us a call at 204-275-1045. Carolyn, thank you very much for coming in. It was a pleasure as always. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.